Welcome to It's a Fit Life Creation podcast with me, Katrina Julia. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur and a transformation coach. Jumpstart transformation to time to transform to boss brand to money maker to inspiring with influence and more. So let's create. And I lost over 55 pounds four years ago with the help of Herbalife Nutrition, Meal Bags, Team Edge, NASA, a certified public accountant. I've served in over eight industries and are reading others over seven to nine figure results consistently while having my own money in chaos to create a life and a business I love. It's about the passion, the purpose, the people, and the profits to create a life and a business you love. Tune in to the stories and the journey as we create It's a Fit Life Creation. I am super excited, you guys, today to be doing a feature with Jen Corley. She is the Director of Development for WeTravel, which is a registration and payment platform for retreats. Not only that, but she is an incredible wife and mom within the last year and today is her son's first Halloween, and the costume she's been sharing is amazing. She also, her story, and she's so multi-passionate, is incredible. She graduated from both Harvard University and Stanford, receiving her bachelor's from Harvard and her master's from Stanford. She's also had incredible experiences, ranging from investment firms to yoga alliances, and now being at We Travel for several years, we are talking about three tips on creating retreats and experiences on today's episode. Super excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much. I'm excited to join. So talk to us about you, your background, and how that led to wellness and travel. Because I'm sure the person listening is like, wait, what? She did Harvard. She did this. She did that. And that's condensing years, if not decades, into less than you know a minute. So talk to us about anything that's on your heart, anything that's on your mind, and how that evolved. And anything that relates to any of your early years. Yeah, so I, you sort of alluded to it, but I have kind of a, you know, a bit of a strange background. I, um, I worked for five years um, for a private equity firm, um, and that was right after college. I think I was a little bit confused, directionless. It was a safe choice, um, like, and I sort of did it for a while, and my heart wasn't in it. And so after five years, I kind of took a leap of faith. Um, quit my job, 
uh, entered graduate school at Stanford. I was um, in the process of pursuing a PhD, actually, in studying Islamic mysticism. So I totally, you know, total 180 from an investment firm, mm-hmm. right? I was studying Arabic. I went to Morocco to, to like, live in a home um, there and study Arabic. Um, I, yeah, so I did, I did that for two and a half years, um, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. But the reality, you know, you talked about me having a son, but the reality of juggling a family with my husband travels a ton, and I wanted, you know, I wanted kids. I decided that a PhD just was too long of a commitment at that time in my life. So I finished at the master's, came out of that program and was just, you know, I had studied language. I had some background in, um, you know, analytics, strategy, sales and marketing. I loved travel. And also when I was in graduate school, I skipped over this, but I had become um, certified like 500 hours of, of training as a yoga teacher. I taught yoga for two or three years kind of as, as, you know, to make money while I was in graduate school. So I came out of this with a lot of different threads and pieces that I was trying to weave together into a meaningful career. And thank goodness I found We Travel, which kind of combined my love of travel, of yoga, um, and also just the team there was so, really spoke to me. I mean, we're, I think at last count, we're 34 people but it's 17 different nationalities, 14 different languages spoke on the team. We've lived in 31 countries. Um, so it just really seemed like the right, um, the right place for me to land professionally that would allow me to sort of combine both my, you know, my background and my skills with everything that really spoke to me in terms of my personal passions and, and interests. Um, so yeah, I joined in 2016 um, when we were really small and, things have really just exploded since then. It's been like a crazy wild ride, but lots of fun. Wow. So many. So I was fervently taking notes as you were speaking. And so as you guys know that tune in regularly, I always, and we always do pre-recording calls and get to know people, but I just learned a whole bunch of things from what Jen shared herself. And I can tell you, she is the most in advance prepared retreat uh, that was prepared podcast guest that we have <laughs> ever had, like nailing the analytics, nailing the outline, nailing the languages. So I could definitely see the analytical brain there and Thank the investment you. firm side there. Absolutely. And it tells, it shows that you care a lot. And then it reminded me, which I didn't know about the five years at the private equity firm. And I don't know if we talked about this. I'm also a CPA and did a lot in consulting and strategy so could totally relate with you there. And I could yeah. see the overlap. So I took a couple notes. So you were at the investment firm for five years, mm-hmm. then decided that you were thinking or you were doing the PhD, but with, like you said, with everything that was coming up for you, that it wasn't really in alignment. So you end up deciding to do the master's. You're focusing on the Islam, Islamic studies and you go to Morocco. How long were mm-hmm. you in Morocco? I was just there for three months. Okay. Um, yeah, so for kind of an extended summer, but uh, yeah, amazing experience, amazing place to go on retreat if yes. oh, it's <laughs> you're on the list. considering it. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the yeah. list. I've been to Tangier for one day so far when I left from Marbella, but it's definitely on the list to go for several places. Yes. Um, and then you decide that, so you get grads in grad school, you're yoga certified, and then the anal- analytics and strategy background. So I could see in your role... Now at We Travel, how a lot of that, like what you're saying, is highlighted on both ends, the analytics, 
but also the passion, but also the strategy. And so before we get more into detail, and I definitely want to touch on some of the stats that you talked about with We Travel because that's amazing. But before you transition into that, because wow, it doesn't surprise me that you're so multi-passionate and so diverse because again, knowing myself, but now knowing even more about you. So Talk to, about, talk to us maybe about one or two or three highlights, whatever comes to mind, like anything impactful from childhood that led to that experience in college and then leaving that private, private equity firm. Because I know a lot of people that listen, you know, are still fig- trying to figure out like who they are and mm. how that maybe relate, relates to travel, to life, to everything. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I think dating back to when I was, you know, really little, I, I had both, both this tension between kind of wanting to play it safe and being, you know, you alluded to like, I'm a bit type A, like I sort of, you know, had probably that mentality of wanting, um, a job with a great amount of security and, uh, you know, financial upside. So I had a little bit of that programmed into me, you know, probably related to my upbringing, but I also always had, um, I love travel from when I was really young, um, particularly was interested in the Middle East. I had a really good friend growing up who was, um, her parents emigrated from Iran. And so I had early, you know, early exposure to uh, Persian language, mm-hmm. uh, later studied Arabic. And so I always had this like wanderlust and this like want to explore the unknown um, and to learn about other cultures really intimately that all was present from a young age as well. And so I think it just took an adulthood. I think it was really like, there was a moment when I was leaving the job at the private equity firm that was just kind of, uh, yeah, like I characterized it before, like a bit of a leap of faith Mm -hmm. because I think like my parents, some of my friends were like, what are you doing? This is crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was just sort of like suspending the the safety and security for a little while. Um, But, you know, luckily I also had people in my life that were really supportive and were like, this is so cool. Like, that's great. You know, you'll, and I just had faith that I would find my way, but yeah, it was a few years of really kind of feeling like I was fumbling around (laughs) a little bit, at least on the professional front so that I could fulfill some of those personal passions. Um, so I consider myself really lucky that I was able to navigate that. Um, but yeah, but definitely, um, yeah, definitely a, a time of a lot of transition to come to the point where I am now. I love that and completely relate. And I'm sure a lot of people do and hearing that on the other side and going from one extreme to, I wouldn't say another, but just a different route, just a completely yeah. different route. I completely relate. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about We Travel before we dive into the three tips and your role. Um, so 2016 was when the company started. 34 people now, as you shared. 17 nationalities and then living in over 31 countries. So talk to us about what that's like and that culture and that community compared to being at the private equity. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's totally wild. Um, so our co-founder or our founder, our CEO, he actually started the company. He was working for, he worked for, um, doctors without borders. And then he worked actually for the, um, Red Cross in um, in Tajikistan. He was like uh, there, kind of in prisons, making sure like prisoner conditions were okay. So he has this crazy background, and he but he to make money on the side, he had like um, some periods that he was off during the year, and so he was organizing trips into 
uh, Tajikistan and other places in like Central Asia and the Silk Road. So he had this personal experience of wanting to found a company that would solve kind of some of the pain points around group travel. You know, it's, it can be a lot to manage like constant email threads back and forth and chasing people down for payment. Um, so he he basically had this seed of an idea that it would be amazing to start a company that solved a lot of these pain points and let the person that was facilitating the travel or the company was facilitating the travel really focus on the experience. Um, so he founded this, uh, he, with our other two co-founders, um, who are from, he's from Switzerland. The other two co-founders are from Indonesia and Azerbaijan. So that was, it, you take that as sort of the, the foundation of the company. And from there, you know, we've hired, across so many different countries um everybody's at least bilingual on the team which is uh, as an american it's really amazing to meet people that speak five or six languages fluently um and so to sort of piece all of this together we actually every year because we're very distributed in terms of geography every year we do one week um somewhere in you know where we all get together as a team so since i've been at the company we did bali the first year because we have the indonesian co-founder and then we did Amsterdam the second year because we have actually our, one of our main offices there. And then just three weeks ago, we were all in um, Portugal. <gasps> and so we, we do that every year as sort of a way to kind of make sure that everybody knows each other on a personal level um, to like take a step back and think about strategy and you know, to have fun, like we, we all did yoga together. I led some yoga sessions, we surfed together. So it's like a lot about building, you know, kind of a team and a culture when you're very distributed and obviously super diverse. Um, but it's amazing. Like I made ceviche with one of our guys (laughs) from Ecuador. Like we, you know, we like walked around late at night and found out one guy from Azerbaijan was like an amazing guitar player. So it's really just a really cool group of people. Um, and so far it's working and we're growing and changing, but there is this culture of, um, we really celebrate diversity and we want to build a team that, you know, represents a ton of different backgrounds because, you know, lots of different viewpoints make for a smarter company. Yes. I, wow. So many things there. So I could definitely feel to just emphasize from what you were saying, passion and purpose-driven, extremely so. And at the same time, very freedom-based and very honoring of the different perspectives, of the different belief systems, of the different cultures. Because as you know, walking into you know prior experiences or prior industries or prior companies or prior people, you know, yeah. what's going on in today's world in so many different directions, that's not always the outcome so to speak, without getting into a whole can of worms with, you know, with that. (laughs) Uh, And then the fact that you talked about everyone speaks at least two languages, which is, as you know, very normal all around the world, except for here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And so being in that kind of immersive environment, I'm sure like a lot of times your brain is buzzing. Like from that aspect, then having the, the retreats or the getaways or the strategy sessions, like you talked about yoga, doing yoga, but also being, you know, I'm sure in the next workshop or in the next session, you know, analytical or whatever the case is. And so with that, talk to us about your role. Like what does, you know, what does exactly, like what do, what do you do as director of development and how is that contributing to the overall strategy as we get into to the three tips. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my role is, is really cool and has evolved over time. Um, but 
currently, you know, I focus a lot on education-based marketing. So producing useful content that um, people can take, uh, hopefully learn from and, um, you know, basically to position our company as kind of a thought leader in the space and to help people out. And so on a day-to-day basis, that means that I'm working with um, retreat hosts uh, that are, you know, that are building businesses and, and hopefully like our, our tools and our content is contributing to, to that professional growth on there. And so that can be really fulfilling when I'm working one-on-one with people but also, um, I you know, our team, like, you hit the nail on the head. It really celebrates kind of innovation and the ability to, to do new things quarter to quarter. And so in that respect, my job has changed a lot in three years just because the company has. Um, but we're at a place now where, uh, yeah, just really focus on helpful content um, and, you know, and helping people build their businesses in that way. Uh, so, yeah, but as you can imagine in a startup, what I do day to day is like crazy different. Like, <laughs> there's always fires to put out, and it's uh, it's so different than working in a big company where you have tons and tons of support staff, and like you know you're sort of doing similar uh, processes all the time. This is totally different than that, um, and it totally it's very demanding, um, immersive, and uh, yeah, it can be chaotic, but can be pretty fun too. No, I love it. So a couple of points that I took from that that I definitely want to share with everyone listening is I love how you framed it and highlighted being a thought leader. Because I think in today's world with content creation and also where people want authenticity, people want storytelling, people want to be able to relate and people want value. They want actionable, you know, they want something actionable to take from if they're going to spend time on your blog or your podcast or whatever it is. So immediately what came to mind, and I've already spent some time digging into, is the retreat center list. So I've been playing there. I've been playing on some of the blog posts. So there's so many different things and value points, which we'll definitely get into. And I would imagine how you you brought up the night, like it's night and day from what you experienced in the larger investment firms in private equity from what you have today. And when I was looking at your face, so you guys, I always try to, and I've shared this before, record face to face, but of course we only share the audio. So when I was looking at Jen's face, like the word that came to mind immediately was exhilarating. <laughs> so if that resonates, like I could totally see where you were like, your soul was like on fire. Yes. And you know, juggling a lot of things can, can lead to burnout of course, but um, I'm at a point in my life, like, you know, I also have a eight, almost eight month old son. And so yeah, I'm, I'm in a lot of ways like running on all cylinders and like really working flat out and not getting a lot of sleep. Um, but also like, just like motherhood can be really like all all encompassing and and same thing with my job. It's just, I, I love doing it. And, um, yeah, I, I need to find balance of like getting enough sleep and having self care, but, um, Luckily, I've got, yeah, these two things in my life, my my work, which I've just come back pretty recently from maternity leave, and obviously my son. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm at a place in my life where I'm definitely, uh, you know, very busy, but um, in, in kind of the best way. No, and I can imagine juggling between, like you said, the, the your husband, your son, and work that in, in instances where if the baby's not sleeping, like so many different things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
It's overwhelming, but it's but so far we're getting through it. And, you seem and like you're doing amazing. Gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like I was. I, it was like you were reminding me that hey, I'm also going through all this. Like, don't let the smile fool you that there isn't some you know some yeah. very challenging moments. Totally, totally. So let's talk about, so I love that. So like, you know, just from an aspect of anyone transitioning or, you know, thinking about creating what they love, thinking about figuring out, you know, whether it's, you know, their work life, whether it's figuring out travel or whatever, you know, being a wife, being a mom, that it is all possible. It's just a matter of figuring out what that looks like for you and not being afraid to stand up for that. So, so with that, let's talk about the three tips on creating retreats and experiences, whether it's someone that's listening that, you know, wants to create a retreat, has no idea where to start, whether it's someone that's looking for retreats, like whatever that is. So let's talk first, you know, on your insights there for the retreat theme. Yeah, I think this is so important. I mean, it the theme is, is absolutely the groundwork step one. Um, and, even if you have uh, a bit of an idea in mind about what you want your theme to be, I think it's also really, you know, it's important to meditate on that, journal on it, get really clear about what it is that's, as a retreat leader or organizer, what's in your mind. But then also, you know, think about your your students or your audience, you, you know, your list. Think about and, and actually like talk to people about what it is that, they would look for in a theme and does, you know, does your idea set of ideas, does it resonate? Um, where could you shift and change? Um, but just, yeah, really keeping your audience in mind because as you go to market, obviously you want, it's, it's easy. I think sometimes to try to create a theme that will speak to like the most broad possible audience, just cause you, you know, naturally you want to pull people in, but I think it, serves you as a retreat leader to maybe narrow the audience just a little bit so that those who do join really feel like their their needs and wants are spoken to and they really feel like you're holding space for them. Um, and similarly for retreat goers, I mean, this is a two-way conversation, right? So if you have a teacher or a coach or a mentor in your life that does retreats um, and, you know, you know them, you have a personal relationship with them, I, I think that's that's great to join on that basis, but also really making sure what are your options, what are your expectations, um, making sure that you you know find the retreat experience that's going to speak to you, whether that's educational, experiential, really travel focused, service focused, um, whatever it might be. Just making sure that um, you know it's easy to, to like Google yoga retreat Costa Rica. <laughs> This set of dates. Okay, like I, I found it, but I think um, retreats have the possibility be, to be so transformational. Um, doing just a little bit more like introspection and reflection on why it is you're going on retreat, uh, what you want to get out of it, and this topic of theme. Um, you know, retreats come in so, so many flavors these days. Like we're lucky that the the kind of practice of holding retreats has has really evolved and refined over time and so that means both for the person holding the space and the attendee like just making sure it's the right fit because it can be such a transformational experience um you know hopefully if you create the time and space to go on retreat you're going to have that transformation happen um yeah so i think this is like 
great to highlight as step one because it's really like the first first exercise you should do as a retreat leader and as somebody you know considering going on retreat. No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. I love the first point that you talked about that you tackled from the theme aspect on both sides for the retreat leader. That yes, have an idea, know who you are, know what value you offer, but also ask the people or think about what kind of community that you want to attract and then ask them, like, what else do you want? Do you want community service? Do you want this? Do you want that? So that they have say so and they feel valued. And from the flip side, for the attendees, I love that you were, you know, encouraging them to honor their truth, speak their truth. But also, I think a lot of times retreat attendees don't realize how much power they have. And even as retreat leaders, you know, I've been on both sides. We don't know necessarily what's in someone else's brain. And if you don't speak up and you don't say, hey, I would really like some more rest. I would really like this. I would really like that. And that's something, you know, that I made, became very, very aware of and very conscious. Like I remember sitting on the rooftop in our Cuba retreat and there was a girl, Marissa, that was her second retreat with us. And so she already had that relationship. She already felt super com- comfortable. And so I, you know, she, we always did like a recap on the last day. And she said, you know, I love how you added in more space, but here's some more suggestions. I think we should have a free day. Like, you know, don't feel like you have to have activities and different things for us. Like, let's add a free day or let's add creating courses at the retreat, like so many different things. And then on that note, I love how, like, I'm looking at your site. I love how, like, for example, on Retreat Center, I could see where there's, like, for example, it's segmented into beach, into mountain, into urban, or into forest, as an example. So I knew when I was creating retreats, maybe I'll do a mountain retreat at some point in Peru and be close to Machu Picchu. Like that's on my radar, but I'm not really a skiing type of girl. Like that doesn't (laughs) doesn't make me super happy. Yeah. And there's plenty of people that are versus I'm a beachy girl and I don't mind going into the city sometimes, but I want to be Zen. I want to be kind of secluded. So you mentioned Costa Rica. Funny thing. One of our locations was Costa Rica and I thought about like so many different segments. So it's clear on knowing like who you are, what your intention is for that theme on both ends. So that's super, super pow- powerful. So with anything else you want to add there on themes? No, I think that's great. I, theme is so important and we could probably do an entire podcast Literally. <laughs> episode on it. But yeah, no, but I, I, I love what we talked about and I just, yeah, I, I Everything you were saying totally resonated with my experience as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Like, do you want food? Do you want adventure? Do you want photography? Or do you want it all? And it's just like knowing like what you want. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that tends to help you. It's like with that old saying, but it's so true. Your vibe attracts your tribe. You know, like if you're going to, yeah. if you want to do it all, like I do, but then uh-huh. you start talking to someone that wants to stay in one location and never leave, like it's not going to work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We have to make sure the fit is right on both sides. Yes. So speaking of which, let's talk about pricing retreats, right? So we, we're going to, let's talk about it from both ends. And that way the attendees know, like as a retreat leader, understand that we're running a business and there's so many different factors to consider and to honor that. And also imagine putting yourselves in our shoes and then vice versa. We try and we do make it as 
cost-effective and profitable at the same time. So let's talk about the retreat leaders first. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's totally right. Like retreats are a business. They're part of your, you know, as a retreat leader, it's part of your professional development. If you're, if you're new at it, um, really think about it with a business mindset. Um, especially cause there's so many costs that are sort of like hidden costs that you might not think about the first time you run a retreat. Um, you know, just for example, do you, you know, what, what wages are you going to forego by missing classes or coaching sessions or, you know, your day-to-day work? So there's an opportunity cost of that time. Do you need childcare? Do you need pet care? Do you need somebody to water your plants? Like (laughs) there are all of these things that, that you, like, obviously there's the cost of renting your facility and the cost of food and the cost of your transportation and your time on the retreat. But then, you know, there's just, I think like putting it all down in a spreadsheet and really trying to like drill down into like the nuts and bolts of everything that's going to go into your budget. Um, and then, you know, when you're setting your pricing, thinking about, okay, what is the minimum number of people that I, I absolutely need to make this float? How am I going to set up my cancellation policies when I'm doing my pricing? Do, you know, do I want to make different packages at different price points available so that, certain people with certain financial situations are able to join? Do I want to offer payment plans? How am I going to manage that? Um, How do I want to handle doing promotions, doing flash sales, um, early bird specials? uh, And then just really putting this all, like I I said, (laughs) I worked in finance for a long time. I love spreadsheets. So (laughs) whatever speaks to you, but organizing your thoughts in a really clear way so that you've uh, figured out all of your costs and then kind of your minimum group size that you need to attract. And then from there, what sort of packages, add-ons, um, you know, how are you going to structure this so that hopefully you can, you can speak to people of all different financial means, you know, within your, your community and your tribe. Um, but make sure at the end of the day that you get compensated fairly. It's so important. Like this is not necessarily, you're obviously giving a ton as a retreat leader of your time and your energy and your passion, but you need to make sure that you're compensated fairly for that. Um, I just think that's really important to, to remember because in reality, sometimes people don't make much money or I you know, hate to say it, even like on their first retreats, struggle to break even. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that could be probably avoided if uh, if there's like a little bit more thought and careful planning that goes into all of these, like I said, hidden costs and also just being creative about how you address your pricing and and, and structure that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something foundational, just like the theme obviously is step one. This is also something you need to think about, obviously, before you start selling spots at the retreat. Um, so it's definitely kind of the backbone of part of your planning. Um, And then I love how you mentioned the retreat goers. Like it's so nice for them to kind of hear this um, so that when they're thinking about booking, they kind of have the the perspective of, okay, this is all that's going into it. And um, I want to make sure I honor and value the time of of my retreat leader that's holding space for me. Mm -hmm. And, And it's part of that is, you know, just because you're a retreat attendee now, does it mean you not you might not be a retreat leader later and think about how you would want to be treated so what you plant right now is what you will likely sow at some yes. point so yeah. 
so many nuggets of wisdom and so much, so much insight there. So a couple of things on what you brought up. So first on knowing your minimums, like knowing like what, like how is that going to impact or vary? Like whether you're charging, say a thousand dollars for a domestic retreat versus say 3000 for international, like whatever that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, all those hidden costs while you're there, but also what's happening at home. Like for me, like I don't have to worry about plants or childcare, but someone else <laughs> might, you know? Yeah. So I love yeah. that you mentioned that because there's different audiences and different people, right? Yeah. And then I so love that you talked about at, at towards the end of recognizing and realizing like, because I think so many times, and this goes so much into money mindset that, you know, a lot of us are programmed growing up. Oh, bankers make money. Oh, accountants make money. Oh, attorneys make money. But how could you make money, you know, doing yoga? How could you make money on social media? So there's this like warped mindset versus, wait a minute, look outside. People make money up to millions to billions of dollars legit doing anything and everything. Yes. Like yeah. just, just look on any media channel, just look on any TV channel, any social media, anything. People make money almost with anything. So it's reframing that mindset to say, no, you can create what you love and make money. And that's definitely something that I got to shift a ton. And so I think, you know, that's a big part that I've seen with a lot of, you know, people in our community with um, a lot of doing a lot of things or transitioning into something like retreats or into yoga. So not apologizing for the fact that you're now making this part of your business. And then I love how you talked about the venues because depending on if you're looking at, say, a retreat center versus if you're, which they have a list on their site, you guys, we travel, versus if you're thinking about a hotel versus if you're thinking about you know, a private villa or something like that, it's going to vary. And then also not being afraid to negotiate, especially if you're going to bring them repeat business. And if you have media presence, not being afraid to use that as well, whether as, you know, with yourself, with a group, whatever that looks like for you, for my travel bloggers, for influencers, for entrepreneurs. So there's different ways to leverage or to add on value that can be mutually beneficial for everyone from that side. Love it. Totally nailed it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Anything else you want to add on the retreat leader side before we talk about the attendee? No, no, I think that's great. And I mean, I think this is like we were saying, it's two sides of the coin, right? So for the retreat goers, understanding all that goes into it, kind of deciding that you're going to invest in this experience, um, and also just thinking about what, what it is that you maybe want to splurge on, do you want to go domestic and really like develop a skill set, focus on education, and it's less about the travel? Do you want to spend a lot of money going somewhere very exotic, which is going to you know require a more expensive plane ticket? Um, do you value luxury? Are you okay roughing it? Uh, just <laughs> back to like theme as well. It's like, just be really clear on what it is that you want to invest in, in terms of the experience. Um, and then, you know, and then chase that. Um, and yeah, and hopefully, you know, hopefully you find the right fit in terms of what your budget speaks to and, uh, you know, what, what it is that you want from the experience. And that totally can look like lots of different things at lots of different price points, depending on who you are and where you are, um, kind of in, in your life and your personal professional development. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we talked about on the retreat leader side is valuable information for the retreat goer mm-hmm. as well in terms mm-hmm. of making an investment and, and understanding that um, the funds are really going to, you know, to support uh, everything from the food that you're eating to the experience that you're getting to the rest that you're taking, self-care that you're, you know, providing yourself and, and hopefully, you know, all the transformation that you're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the tours, the tours to your point, the community service, depending on, again, what the theme of the retreat is. So a couple of things on that that came to mind. With the retreat goer, keep in mind, usually retreats, because this has come up a lot for us recently, which I never thought this would come up. Because as an attendee, I automatically knew, like, if someone's giving me a price, they're giving me the price for the event or the retreat. Or the stay, if the stay is included and it's a multiple day or a multiple, like if it's a retreat, you know, but it's clearly usually stated. If it's an event, it's an event. If it's a retreat, it's a retreat. And recently, I've gotten a lot of requests for people saying, oh, does this include airfare? And I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. No. I have no idea where you're (laughs) traveling from, Susie. Yeah. So how in the world would I sit here and say, you might be traveling from Bali, how in the world yeah. would I say, oh, yeah, sure, airfare is included. Like, you just come to the event and retreat <laughs> for free. And it's come up, like, several times. And I'm just looking at this, like, it's clearly stated at the bottom in the notes, no airfare. Like, clearly. And then on top of that, I'm just thinking, like, common sense. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. So retreat goers, please, like, also read, because it's always there, I promise you. Read the event details. Is it an event where it's only an event? So is it, you know, a one day? Is it a two day? Is it a three day event without a stay included? So this Mm -hmm. is also for my retreat leaders and I've done this. And this is another way you can leverage and make more money and still provide more access for people that maybe can't afford a full three day or a full seven day retreat. That you could say, hey, I have a one-day mastermind option. I have a two-day or a three-day option, but we're not offering the stay. And so this can help you segment from that aspect. And then my retreat goers, whether it's, again, read. If it's an event, read the context. Read, you know, if it's a retreat, read what's included. Because I promise you, as a retreat leader, and especially working with brands and platforms like We Travel. We make it a point to put everything up front so that we save time. Because we, yes. don't, we don't want to waste our time. <laughs> we Travel yeah. wants to make it, you know, to where it's simple and easy for us as retreat leaders. Then we don't want you to waste your time. We want you to have all the information up front so you make a quick decision like, is this for you or not kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and it's a good tie-in to, I think we're going to talk about marketing next, but like in your marketing materials, being super clear about, <laughs> what's included, what's not included, what you can expect, you know, give people as much information. It's not a promise that they're going to read it because <laughs> people just <laughs> don't, but as clear as you can be, as much information as you can give people, get as much clarity, especially on things like cancellation policies and again, what's included and not. And if you have add-ons, just being really clear about that in your marketing materials. Like, yes, again, we can't promise everyone's going to read it, but it that's... It's really important. Yes. And let me say this too, as a retreat leader, just as a, you know, as a creator, 
when I have those experiences, I just laugh, you guys. So don't get frustrated. You know, I just respond nicely like, hey, thank you so much. So appreciate your interest. But I have no idea where you're coming from. And that would not logically at all allow us to cover what we're offering you and the stay and your airfare, not knowing where you're coming from. So airfare is not included. And then what it does as a retreat leader is I have, you know, I laugh, I respond, like, are we respond? We're super great, you know, graceful and grateful. But then it makes me so grateful for the people that are very, like, diligent and very, you know, engaged, and they totally get it. So understand as a retreat leader, you're going to, as you grow as a leader in general, you're going to grow in so many different ways with your company, with your brand, depending on what you're creating. And you're going to learn so many different things that are going to be very, very interesting to you. And like Jen is saying, give the information up front, like go the extra mile. We always list, you know, a sample agenda. We always list like links to testimonials. So that because I want, I give exactly what I would want. Like when I'm attending an event or a tree, I know what I want. I want the insight, like, what am I going to get? What's the transformation? What's the result? You know, what's the value? And then what are you charging me for it? So don't be afraid back to my retreat leaders. If your retreat is worth 10, 20, $30,000, don't be afraid to say that. Like, Hey, you're going to create this. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Your transformation is priceless, but here's what I'm asking. And then like Jen said, you can also offer payment plans and then cut them off with cancellation policies at different levels. But also understand, sometimes people legit have emergencies. And then I had a cancellation with our our Cuba retreat. And I remember like just thinking, I'm like, I know how I want to be treated with money. I know I don't want bad energy, you know, whatever you believe spiritually like for you. Like I know how I look at money abundantly like with God. I know how I want to be treated And, you know, whatever your beliefs are, like think about how you would want to be treated in the flip side and understand that person is going through something. And if someone's trying to cancel on you, do you really want them at the retreat? Right. Yeah. So important. Totally, totally agree with that. Because one bad apple can really change your entire dynamic of a retreat. Like I'm sure you've got stories, Jen, and I definitely do too, of both ends or, you know, shifting things and just learning on the fly. And adjusting and and constantly transforming, literally. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about being strategic about marketing. Because at this point, let's say for the retreat leaders, you've set the theme, you've identified the pricing, you've figured out if you want to go national, if you want to go international, like whatever that is for you. And now you're thinking, okay, how do I get people here? How do I connect with my community? How do I connect with my tribe? Where do I find them? What do I do? So let's talk, Jen, about being strategic about marketing. Yeah, I think from marketing is people, you know, sometimes that's a lot of retreat leaders. Like there's a lot of fear tied up in, am I going to sell out enough spots? I think like hopefully you've planted the seeds, like going back to the theme where you've talked to some people, you've gotten feedback, hopefully gotten people interested, put feelers out there. And so you're, you know, I think setting real realistic expectations around kind of what you can expect from online marketing. And then also just the old fashioned in-person personal connections that you've made with people. And maybe the seeds for those were planted online as well. Like you can definitely utilize a dual prong strategy, but um, knowing for you and for what your level of kind of engagement is, 
in person, in classes or one-on-one coaching sessions, your personal relationships where you know people face-to-face or if it's digitally, you know, face-to-face online versus people that you are going to attract, you know, from more online marketing strategies. And you can, you know, you can play around with social media and paid advertising. um, But you have to know, like, if that's going to work for you. And certainly if you are a first-time retreat leader and or you don't have a ton of experience with online marketing, um, that might not be the best way to invest your your time and certainly your money. Um, you may really want to forge ahead with kind of the people that you know more, you know, more intimately. Um, yeah, so it's, I think like for, I think about marketing in, you know, in cycles and know that you're going to have, uh, you're going to have it within your audience, uh, you're going to have people that are kind of type A and like the day that you sign it, they've signed up for the early bird. They've signed up for their payment plan. Yeah. And they're just like ready to go and they're super excited. You're going to have people that are sort of like, wait and see like, Oh, I I wanted, you know, this friend in class next week, she said she was going to sign up. Maybe I'll sign up after she does. Um, So like there's sort of like the follower mentality for a certain cohort of people. And then, and then finally they're the people that like really can't commit or they're just not very organized or, Maybe their money situation is such that they, you know, need to sit on the fence for quite a while. Um, so thankfully, there's this, or thankfully or not, there's this group of people that will wait till the kind of the, the end of the cycle and then they'll get that push to sign up. And so realizing that you need to speak to these different audiences, designing your marketing so that you reward early signups if that's what you need, you know, say with a retreat center, you have a contract where you need a certain minimum making sure you engage enough people at the beginning that you have a little bit of a cushion and some comfort that you're going to get to your minimum number. Um, and then designing, you know, bring a friend promotions or, you know, uh, a flash sale. I think like honoring that you give people, honoring the people that sign up early and giving them, you know, some incentive to do that, but then also hopefully hooking people all along the cycle, depending on what their personality profile is or their kind of psychology profile is like, when what's going to motivate them at what point in the marketing cycle um so definitely that that kind of timeline uh mentality i think is important to have in marketing and just understanding that uh the different different times will speak to different parts of your audience no i love what you talked about so many different things that i got from that so the first thing that really spoke to me was sharing and talking about it. So what I learned from starting to create retreats within Fit Life Creation since 2016 is if you won't talk about you and you won't talk about your company, there's a very good chance that you're not going to get the minimums and or sell out. Like you have got to believe in the value you offer and share it in so many different ways. So what you were breaking down, Jen, was like the personal relationships or the face-to-face. Like if you're great at that, great. But what I believe also, and I love that you talked about like the social media or different ways because what I believe in, I constantly, so all those that have listened to me in the past know that I'm hyper-focused on personal development. I love growth. So I believe in consistently challenging yourself. So if you would have met me, In corporate America 10 years ago, A, I would have never been face-to-face doing a podcast, sharing my personal life and all kinds of things. (laughs) Like, never. (laughs) So that already tells you the brain hacks that are happening. But so if I have a podcast and we have a podcast and 
I'm doing this and I share on stories and Instagram and I'm connecting with influencer marketing. You guys, and Jen knows this, we've connected with over 10,000 people in the last four years on all kinds of platforms. Why? Because I made the decision that I wanted to do word of mouth advertising on the online space and I was willing to learn and get uncomfortable no different than walking through corporate America or getting, you know, degrees or whatever it is. It's it's the same approach. You you I don't believe you fail. I believe you win or you learn. And I love that Jen talked about really know yourself, especially walking into your first retreat. And like, for example, for me, Facebook ads don't really resonate because at least not so far. Like I look at them as a scaling mechanism from the word of mouth, from the testimonials. Once we have the proven system and the authenticity and more than enough profitability to then say, okay, now I can drill in the data. Now I can scale from this point to this point. But I know plenty of retreat leaders that that's all they do. Freebie Facebook to a freebie. So anything works if you do. And I believe if it's in alignment with who you are and what really, really feels good for you, but still challenge yourself. Like look at new ways, look at new innovative ways. And then do you want to add anything to that before I transition to the marketing cycles? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great. Let's talk about the cycles. Okay. Yeah. So the marketing cycles, I wrote all these notes and I put this little emoji of the girl, like of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so type A is definitely me. I, yeah. I can, I, you, if there's a retreat or an event that I want to go to either A, I'm going to buy it at the early bird special or funny story, I literally manifested a couple years ago where Brendan Bruchard was listing his world's greatest speaker event for $3,000. And I said, okay, God, I believe I really need to be there. And I believe you want me there. However, you and I know right now at this second, we are not paying $3,000. So if you want me there, do something and we'll take action. But there was a time in undergrad or in grad school or you know, in different events or different retreats, whatever the price was, I paid it. Whether it meant going into debt, whatever it meant, I paid it because I knew that was what was my next step. However, this particular experience, it wasn't. I kid you not, Jen, the next day, he had never done anything like this. He even said it. The next day, for those of you that don't know, Brendan Bruchard is one of the top marketers in the world. And I've shared about him on several different episodes and being his student. Anyway, in the next day, he sent an email out to his team that if you purchased 50 of his books, The High Performance Habits, so that was about $500, he gave you the event for free. Of course, not including travel, not including your stay, so disclaimer for the people (laughs) in the back, that he gave that to you included. So I was like, okay, boom, and then immediately I bought it. So 100% type A, unless I feel led otherwise, and then I will say, like, nope, not this, but if you want me there, do something. But as you said, when you are a retreat leader, what you have got to understand, or not just a retreat leader, an entrepreneur, a business owner, whatever it is, I'm a type A, but I had to learn there's been times where I might be, wait, wait a minute, I don't think this is the right time. Or yes, I'm interested, but not right now. Like it's not in alignment right now. And whatever the person's story is, like what Jen was talking about, you know, it's the type A or the follower or you've got the skeptic that it might take them five years. Like they're watching you for years. 
doing what you're doing, being what you're being. And they tell you five years or 10 years later, oh my God, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did this. You're like, oh my God, I had this stalker. Like I, all of us get comments like that from people all the time. They will never comment on your social media. They never tell you they're watching. And then all of a sudden there's like a dissertation. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're waiting in the wings yeah. yes. for the timing to be right. Yeah. So, and it's, and as a retreat leader, what I've learned and as a business owner, I cannot put all my eggs in one basket. So this goes back to private equity. This goes back to CPA. This goes back to diversification. I can't put all my eggs on one person, on one company in the sense of I'm waiting for this to happen with you. No, no, no. I'm not waiting. I'm making things happen now. So like when you're like, I'm marketing now for Atlanta next year, for a couple other retreats next year with San Antonio, with Brazil. Like all this is leading towards that because it's planting seeds from every direction. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's a business, it's professional development. You are planting seeds. And like you said, when you are a retreat leader, like you have to lead. So, you know, taking the initiative, stepping outside of your comfort zone, a lot of those things that you were touching on, um, Absolutely. And there, you know, there may be times that you feel uncomfortable taking the next step, but you just, you have to kind of go for it. And I think the authenticity piece and the conviction behind what you're offering, as long as that's in place, um, even if there's a little bit of fear about taking the next step or stepping outside of your comfort zone, um, your message will resonate with people if you are saying, you know, if you're speaking truth and you're really you know, you have a ton of conviction behind what you're offering. Like you're going to have people that, that understand that and you're going to speak to them. And again, like they may or may not be the person that signs up on day one, but um, yeah, just knowing that you need to meet people where they are mm-hmm. kind of all along this whole cycle. Yeah. No, I love that. The faith and the foundation and yes. the focus, like, keeping forward, you know, failing forward, you know, as people often say, but basically learning what you're going to learn, whether you're the retreat leader or you're the retreat goer. Um, Anything else you want to add on strategy before we transition? No, let's let's keep it going. Keep it flowing. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk some more about We Travel and the mission and the vision and how it fits with creating retreats and experiences. Yeah, so I, I touched on it briefly. Our, our founder, CEO, had this vision for um, kind of making group travel easier. Uh, so in the past, the model may have been you collect funds like in person in an envelope through PayPal, <laughs> through whatever it might be, um, payment plans or, you know, installment payments balances due you're chasing people for money you're having those awkward money conversations you have like a million spreadsheets a million email chains going back and forth all of this takes a lot of your time and energy away from what it is that you want to craft in terms of the experience um so administration like awkward money conversations like were sort of a necessary evil of getting the job done so his vision was how do i you know modernize this put it all in one place, make it easy, make it so that the registrations, the payments, the information collection, um, you know, the ability to print out like a clean report of all of your students or attendees, dietary restrictions and passport numbers and flight arrival times all in one place at your fingertips, uh, ready to go. So that was kind of, that was his vision. Um, 
And whether that's speaking to group travel of all flavors, like, of course, we're talking about retreats, but um, the company supports travel companies that do this, service trips, education trips, religious trips, um, as well as the area that I focus on, which is you know wellness retreats and trainings, um, educational experiences. So yeah, so that that was the the mission and the vision. This was dating back to like 2013, 2014, um, and the company you know has since obviously grown, and the you know the tools continue to evolve and and get stronger. We actually just rolled out a WeTravel credit card today, so mm-hmm. I saw the email. lots of yeah yeah lots of like very cool innovations happening. Um, the ability to transfer money you know internationally among vendors and partners and. Um, yeah, so this this is a set of tools that speaks to everybody from like the first time retreat leader having like a one night overnight weekend retreat in their hometown to I want to take you know two hundred people to Zanzibar <laughs> you know to uh, to do a five hundred hour yoga teacher training or whatever it is like, you know so it's like it can be small groups it can be local but it can also support um, you know really large groups with lots of logistical nuts and bolts, but mm-hmm. the platform's designed to be simple, easy to learn, easy to use, like super low cost to collect funds, just 1%. Um, so that was the problem he was trying to solve. And, you know, the product obviously evolved over time and gotten better and, you know, more, more bells and whistles, but that core kind of vision still, you know, directs with, you know, what the company is doing today. No, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I can say as a, you know, creator, as a CEO, as well as as a retreat leader, like for me, and I was talking about this on a call this morning, it is so, so important to strategize and to think, you know, as a business owner, as a retreat leader, whatever it is, but it's also super important to constantly look for ways to automate and or delegate to free up time. So yes. That is one of, because my core value is freedom, like time, freedom, location, expression, financial, all the things. And that's Mm -hmm. something why I'm so passionate about helping others. And when, you know, when you walk through a crazy transformation story, but in any event, when I found we travel, and then even as we talked further to see the scaling capabilities, to see the different aspects, to see the listings of the retreat centers, you know, and so much educational content and just so much value in so many different ways. So it's cool to see where it's evolved and where it's evolving. Yeah, thank you. I mean, and it's, it's, I love it because like I said, our audience is really diverse, but I get to work with, you know, we have, we have, I mean, you doing wellness, <laughs> entrepreneurship, brand building, sort of like all in one. I was looking the other day, like we have a soldier in yoga doing uh, yoga and service in Tibet. Um, oh, wow. We've got like, we've got a woman, Amy Hansen, who does like sacred expression yoga and writing um, retreats and stand up paddleboard and yoga. It's just like, it's amazing. Like people have crafted such unique offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like it's freeing up, like I love that word freedom. It's freeing up the time and the, the energy so that you can really refine what it is that you're offering. And it's cool for me because like, I see all of these people, like they have dreams and visions and then they're actually able to manifest this because like you said, they can automate, they can delegate and they can actually, you know, take action and bring these visions to life 
with a lot more kind of abundance and freedom mm-hmm. than if they were having to like, you, you know, do all of the <laughs> things that I kind of touched on in terms of like the icky logistics and you know <laughs> the stuff that's just a boring time sink and doesn't actually add to the, you know, to the, the tribe that you're serving. Exactly. No. And I love that you talked about like, so for me, I love tools. I love technology and I love to learn or play in it or do the analytics. But do I really want to sit there and do the manual or the programming or different things? No. So when I find something like we travel, it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is solving a problem. This is making it simple. This is making it easy. I didn't have to create it. So leveraging tools, leveraging technology and this isn't something that we're naturally taught at school. So that's something that I want to remind people, like, look for innovative ways and shift your mindset. And I love how you talked about manifesting it because then it's like, oh, here's an answer to my problem and having those icky money conversations. And another one of my favorites, and this reminds me of like the tribe back to the the marketing, you know, avatars, right? The, yeah. So there's, you know, type A is, let's call her Angie A. And then the follower, <laughs> let's call the follower Frank the follower, right? So I've gotten a couple of recent Frank the follower emails on some of our retreats for next year. And Frank the follower is like, oh, hey, do you still have a spot left? You know, keep in mind, it's a seven, some of them are seven people retreats or, you know, 14 people retreats over two weeks. And I'm like, as of right now, yes, there's a spot. However... If you don't book soon, keep in mind, I'm not holding anything, Frank the follower. So yeah. those emails make me laugh because I can tell immediately once again, okay, you're not type A. You're yeah. living here. You're either B or C, like Frank the follower or... Um, poly procrastinator. Yeah, 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 that's a good one. I was going to say something with clarity, but I like poly procrastinator better. That's perfect. So we've got... Aunt- We've got a type A Angela. We've got Polly the procrastinator and Frank the follower. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, any other highlights or stories that have come up recently? I know you mentioned like the whether it's the sacred space, the writing space, you know, the soldier, anything else that comes to mind like a really really cool story that you guys, maybe someone that's been on we travel since the beginning, like how they've grown. Yeah, well, there's a company out there that uh, has been a client of ours, uh, Soul Seed Retreats, um, and they. It's just been really cool to see how they've been able to grow their business uh, a ton from doing you know a handful of retreats every year. I think they were mostly focusing there out of Boston, mostly focusing on the Azores, uh, and then now they. I mean, their portfolio of retreat destinations and the number of retreats and partners that they're working with not just yoga, but they've got like spin retreats. They've really diversified geographically and also the, you know, the different studios and types of fitness experiences that they're supporting. And this has been, you know, a journey for the partners that founded it. They've kind of been with, I think, since late 2016 or maybe early 2017. So from early days, um, but they, you know, they, in parallel with us, like they've been putting out a lot of content. They've like gotten some great press, um, but it's just really cool to see in action, you know, there, there's obviously the the experiences that are really unique and special. And I touched on a few of those, but also just seeing businesses being able to kind of grow and really be successful and create financial abundance for the founders. I mean, that's, of course, like we, you know, we care deeply about 
wonderful transformative experiences, but then we also care deeply about supporting people that are building businesses and entrepreneurs that are taking risks and, and hopefully, you know, helping them, helping them really succeed and grow. That's, that's definitely like personally really fulfilling to see the success stories and people that have really been able to build really cool differentiated brands um you know from kind of the ground up I love I love that part of my job no I love that you hit on that and the aspect of you know there's a differentiator between it's like you know Steve Jobs said you know the crazy ones that actually think we can change the world are the ones that do and being a retreat leader or being an entrepreneur you know or being a creator it takes a different breed like it absolutely takes a different breed. It takes a different risk threshold. You know, and there are some people that quote unquote cross over into the dark side, so to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> but or the light side, however you want to look at it. But yeah. but there's a process of going through the dark to get here. Let's say that. Uh, yeah. At the same time, it's it's beautiful to see like the community that's being created, like that example you just gave. And this is why I do the podcast too, because I learn. Like I'm sitting here taking notes because we, you know, we've been hosting a couple retreats a year, but my goal and my vision is absolutely to enhance them, to grow the event size, you know, that's leveraged off of the retreat to create more space for, you know, larger venues, et cetera, but also to have co-leaders and leaders because this isn't in any way, shape or form just for me. Yeah. So I love yeah. that you've touched on that. Yeah. And you just reminded me, I'm actually, and we're actually doing a feature uh, with Alexa Williams-Meisler, which she's a creator of 52 Perfect Days, and she has website traffic, she has a blogging retreat, and several different things, and I'm actually listing you guys on one of my features that I'm doing with her that I, like, as far as, like, helping set up, helping scale, like, so many different things. And like you talked about, like, no one wants to carry in a spreadsheet and figure out on your own different payment sources, carrying passport numbers, all the different dietary restrictions. What if someone's allergic to seafood and then you give them shrimp the first day and they didn't know it was in the sauce? <laughs> like, yes. those are yes. important things to know, you guys, to let your chef know or let, you know, whoever's making your food know. Um, totally. So with that being said, let's talk about some of the resources and different things that you um, wanted to leave the listeners with and we're going to include in our show notes. Yeah. So like this is kind of the core of what I do day to day is produce a lot of this stuff. So we have um, a retreat planning ebook. I think you're going to include the link in the notes. Um, but that's great. It sort of outlines in greater detail some of the things that we talked about today and some other topics that we didn't get to because there's there's a lot that goes in, obviously, to planning retreats. So this is sort of like a neat package place you can refer to. Um, I think it's you know it's one of our like most popular content uh, things that we've that we've produced. Um, there's also a I think you talked about it briefly at the beginning, but we have a blog. And there's a whole area of like resources for retreat leaders. And these are like easily digestible, fairly short articles that, that cover everything from email marketing to like how to pick your venue to, you know, basically every, every topic under the sun, it's like super diverse um, set of topics. And, and also some downloadable guides are available through the blog. Um, And then there's our retreat leader hub, Facebook group. um, And that's a community. It's got about, 22, 2300 members. Um, and it's just kind of a venue for information sharing. You can post about your events, you can ask for feedback. You, it's really a community though. And people, 
are from a lot of different backgrounds, um, but interested in retreats, travel, um, you know, wellness, uh, that's a really nice supportive community there. And you don't have to be like interested in using retreat. You just have to, you know, basically want to share information with other retreat leaders, coaches, uh, wellness professionals. Um, and then finally, just our website is wechavel.com. Obviously, you can check that out if you're interested in in kind of the tools that that we spoke to. Um, and so hopefully we'll have links to all those things. But all three, like, so just check them out if, if you're interested in leading retreats or you are leading retreats. Um, and hopefully there's some good wisdom to kind of add to your playbook uh, through through those different uh, sources of information and content and community. I absolutely love it. And that was another new thing that I learned. So I knew about the planning ebook and I did not know about the retreat leader resources section. Like I think I was finagling yeah. or combobulating myself through the blog and different articles yeah. and the retreat center section. And then I just requested literally as you were talking, I sent a request to the retreat leader hub Facebook. Because the, nice. the other thing I've learned, you guys, communities on Facebook are so powerful. So again, whether you are wanting to create retreats or you want to attend some of these retreats and you're a business owner, like whatever it is for you, like strategically align yourself to the Facebook groups like this one for retreat leaders that you can add value and you can also connect with people and set up a relationship because you have no idea where those things are going to lead. Like this year... I'm in over 10 strategic Facebook groups that I contribute to every single week faithfully. And oh, makes- I love that. That's so amazing. Cause I love people that are like, I'm looking for a chef in Guatemala and someone like, let me go consistently through my- every single week, whether it's value, whether it's gratitude, whether I'm asking for something and I'm really, really intentional in making sure I mix up those requests. So no one feels like, for example, that I'm always just doing gratitude, which is of course great or always asking, but be very mindful of how you share value. So love that you guys have created that community. Yeah. And thank you for joining. Like I, I love people like you that are like, active in the groups it's like we've kind of scaled to a size now where if you ask a question like something random like i need a a chef in guatemala like chances are somebody's gonna have that connection they'll dig through their contacts and and you know find figure it out and respond to you and so i love people that are like willing to share their knowledge because like the knowledge of the collective is like so much greater and like luckily we have these you know these online communities to share information um but it comes back to the people and the willingness to contribute. So very glad that you're part of the group now and yes. uh, like look forward to, to hearing your voice there. Thank you. And on the, that, that you just reminded me of two specific examples. So I'm also part of another retreat community on Facebook and literally exactly to your point. So I'd imagine some of the conversations are similar that, you know, brand new retreat hosts are asking about, you know, what's the price points for domestic? What's the price point for international? How can I enhance, you know, before, during and after? So same thing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm giving abundantly because I know what it's like on your side. And I know I didn't necessarily have have the answers and I had to fight for the answers. Or another example, I'm also an Airbnb community leader for a volunteer aspect for here in Atlanta with our experience hosts. And so things come up all the time, but we're part of a global network. And so very recently, two things, very cool things happened. All the, not all, but I think some of the community leaders, we got gifted with a trip so I'm going to Mexico at the end of November, which was super cool. That's great. Yes. That's awesome. Pink lakes, all the things. So I'm super excited. Oh. 
the second thing was exactly what you were just saying that somebody, you know, was saying, oh, hey, in the Airbnb group, hey, I'm going to Costa Rica, but I'm not exactly sure about this. I'm not exactly sure about that. And it wasn't directly related to Airbnb. They were just asking, you know, because they, you know, are in the community and there's thousands of us across the globe. And right away, I'm like, hey, like when I saw it, like I did a retreat in Costa Rica. Do you need a driver? Do you need a cook? Like, what do you need? Do you yeah. need a place to stay? Yeah. Like, I'm like, and I found her on Airbnb. So it was totally authentic to where I was completely honoring the community and not at all. In fact, it was enhancing it. So no, a thousand percent, like if you've got value to give, give it because it may not come to you from that direct community, but it will come back to you when you selflessly give value. Yes, absolutely. Love that. That's a great, great point to highlight. Thank you so much, Jen. Anything else you want to add um, as we wrap up? And thank you so, so much for your time. This was a great, great, great conversation. Yeah, no, nothing to add. I really love talking to you and I, I hope this is helpful both for those who are on, you know, on the retreat leader side um, and also for those that are just really interested in attending retreats and curious to know more about the world and what this world and what goes into the whole process. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully this will find its way into to the ears of um, of a pretty diverse audience. And thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.